You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Hope y'all are having a fantastical Tuesday. I do hope that indeed. It's going to sound super random, but have you seen... It's not... See, now random on top of random. Is it random when you expect random? Like, if you expect me to start off with something stupid, and I'm like, hey, I got something really random to talk about. It's like, it's not really random, because we know. Like, you're not going to talk about football right away. Have you seen that Pepper guy? He's on the Tiki Tacks. I don't know what I don't know what I was saying, but every time now that I get a high-pitched voice when I say something, like, what's going on, buddy? Immediately, my mind goes to, red jalapeno. That's really weird if you don't know what I'm talking about, but if you do, I kind of nailed that a little bit. By the way, that guy has about 48 seconds to live. No, Pause this and go find it if you don't know what I'm talking about, all right? Because I can't have you just staring at me like this like I'm stupid. Go find it. Listen to the guy. Watch his videos as he eats. This guy gets hot pepper. I'm talking like jalapeno peppers. Um, I think he might even get like hotter, like ghost peppers and stuff. Like literal peppers with the seeds in them. Not just like, oh yeah, whatever you get at the... No, no, no. And then... He dips them or pours like ghost pepper sauce and dips it in like chili oil. That's his, that's that's another thing he does. Chili oil, which I've never even heard of before, but it's a thing. And he just eats it and he'll eat like six peppers just like that. And he doesn't just dab sauce. He drenches it in sauce. I guarantee you, if you pan that camera down a little bit, he is bleeding through his belly button. 100%. I'll put everything I own on that. That guy's crazy. How does he do it? I think he has a disorder. I think he's got a thing where it's like he can't feel pain, but he can die. That's that's where somebody needs to be a friend and be like, dude, just because you can't feel it, there's a reason we feel pain. It's our body saying, you better knock that off. I don't think he has that. I think he's wincing like that. As, a, as I think he's putting on a show. Anyways, <sighs> how you doing? Doing good? All right, great. So it is officially Jets week. Packers did have some uh, training activities today. Uh, I don't see that on the schedule. I'm guessing it was not a public one, and that's why it's not. I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know if they're going to have any practice uh, today. But Wednesday, Thursday, 10, 10 a.m. Central Time, Green Bay Packers, New York Jets going at it. So it's going to be cool. we got the joint practice Wednesday. we got the joint pra- practice Thursday. We got nothing on Friday that I'm, that's going to be a rust day because of the game. And then at 3.25 p.m. Central Time on Saturday, we get the Green Bay Packers against the New York Jets. Now, I don't know if Jordan Love's going to play. I know the consensus is that he's not. And um, Matt LaFleur did say at his press conference today that he wants to take it easy with him. So it kind of, I'm leaning toward, even if they think he's like 95%, it's like, yeah, it's just not. But he does need some work. We've only got three preseason games. He's only done one, and they even cut that short because he got hurt. So if you skip this one and hope he's okay for the next one, I, I mean, unless you're going to give him all four quarters or something, I think you got, I mean, he's a backup. It's not like, if it's Aaron Rodgers, fine. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm saying like, if he's if he's good enough to play, 
He's the backup dude. He's fine. I guess if they're ultra protective of him, we could take that as a good sign. Like if I wanted to be ultra biased slash conspiratorial, I could be like, look, if he was just some scrub that we could replace easily, if it really was Aaron Rodgers or bust, what's the big deal? We're doomed anyways. Just let him let it ride out. And if he gets a little twinge in his shoulder and he's like, that was a bad idea. I'm going to be out for a while. And then we lose Aaron Rodgers. Who cares? Season's dead either way. But if he's like a really good quarterback and we can legitimately win football games with him, you got to be careful just in case. If Rodgers gets hurt, Jordan Love fills in, we'll be fine. Then Rodgers comes back, we win the Super Bowl. It's going to be great. Um, so that's this week. I still don't know. I'm happy to see the the numbers doing so well, but I still don't know what the real numbers are, and at this point I'm just getting annoyed. Because I don't know like if the show's going well. I use, every day I check the numbers, I'm like, ooh, that was a good episode. A lot of people tuned in. I don't know, because I'm still getting the fake numbers. They're great numbers, and I still get to daydream about, oh, man, if I got to keep these numbers, you better believe I'm not going to be working very long. But um, I know they're not, so that's what's annoying about it. But I do appreciate you guys tuning in. It's fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Speaking of the uh, training camp, might as well go through a little bit of that. It was an hour and a half, which is exactly what Matt LaFleur said it would be. Hour and 29 minutes, to be precise. A uh, couple little notes. First of all, and I find this particularly interesting, not that any of these guys would be listening, but uh, that little tizzy I got into with Bears fans, the biggest thing, and, and again, and I know you don't want to hear me rant about this because I've done it a hundred times, people that are anti-PFF have never once ever laid out a good argument against PFF ever. The best argument that you can find is finding some nuanced thing where it would appear this guy had a good game and they gave him a bad grade or vice versa. And one of the Bears fans tried to do that, but I, he got caught in his own little lie because he posted some statistics. I was like, see, he got graded higher than him. It's like, oh, really? So, so all you look at his statistics? That's funny. Remember my first beer? Props to you if you know uh, what that movie is. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you going to say Step Brothers? I remember my first beer. <laughs> sorry, the answer we were looking for is Beer Fest. You fail. But again, the, the, the biggest thing that I've always said about it is if you want to know if something is worthwhile, and obviously this doesn't apply to everything, but for something like this, it should be predictive, which is to say, I can look at it and tell you what's going to happen in the future. I've been able to do that numerous times, especially in regard to things that fly in the face of common narrative. And common narrative are the things where you go on Twitter and you say it and everybody regurgitates what the media says and calls you a dummy and then pretends that they know because tape told them, which obviously is not true. They know it because Skip Bayless told them. But anyways... I found this interesting. I mentioned yesterday on the on the uh, the old show with uh, Mr. Brady Augustinius that KBN Ento was the highest graded cornerback. Excuse me, he's a cornerback who was the highest graded defensive player. Royce Newman, highest graded offensive player. Both of those guys got promotions. No, it was not because PFF said so, but it's because PFF saw something that the Packers also saw. They watched the game and said those guys were real, real, real good. And the Packers, and re- remember, Royce Newman was third team. I just talked about that. Not too long ago when they, when on the uh, episode where I talked about the depth chart after the Packers released it, he was third team. And I said, you know, I don't know where else you would really put him because it's kind of set in stone the way things are, but you kind of wished a guy like Royce would get a shot, at least second team. Well, failing offensive line, um, in addition to Royce Newman being the highest-graded offensive player, I think he was the highest-graded player on the entire team in that preseason game, all of a sudden he's playing first-team offensive guard. He's getting a crack at it. 
So it not only flies in the face of the anti-PFF people, which happens every single day, which I find funny, but it also flies in the face of these games don't matter, which, which is such a silly narrative. And, and granted, I kind of say it sometimes in regard to trying to over-evaluate things because th- things don't line up, right? If you're a dominant preseason player, it doesn't mean you're going to be a dominant regular season player. There are certain things that are true and certain things that are not true, but to pretend, and the problem is we try to apply small rules very broadly. Devante has never really graded out very well in the preseason. It does not logically follow then that he's going to be bad in the regular season. However, that doesn't mean that nothing that happens in the preseason means anything at all ever. I know there's a logical rule. I don't feel like looking it up. I should know it. I forgot. Whatever. Trying to take a small piece of a rule and apply it more broadly. What's true of the part is true of the whole, I think would be the, well, now that I was able to word it succinctly, the fallacy of composition, which the, the thing about logical fat, there's like seven different terms for the exact same fallacy, but that's one of them, right? Every single piece of this computer that I have sitting next to me is light in weight. Therefore, the whole computer is light. No, it's kind of heavy. So again, these games do matter. Now, it, it's not a guarantee that these guys are going to be able to stay where they are, but they're getting a shot right? And that's all you can ask for. And, and with such a concise period of time, it's hard to make that much momentum in one direction or the other. But especially when you get to cut down days, as we are already in right now, um, when your head is at least anywhere near the chopping block, it's important. And now Royce was probably never going to get chopped. However, it is possible he got thrown on the practice squad if he didn't show something and he did. And Ento, I mean, he, he got promoted over Josh Jackson today or yesterday, whatever. You know what I mean. Speaking of cut-down days, unfortunately, it is getting to be that point. Uh, the Packers do need to have, I believe, five people cut down. It sounds like they released two different guys. Um, John Dietzen, undrafted rookie from Wisconsin, was released, which is obviously very unfortunate. Also, the punter Winslow uh, was released, who I actually completely forgot about. Um, and I want to look at that quickly because... Uh, Winslow apparently was the punter on that 43-yard return on Saturday. I just assumed it was always J.K. Scott. I forgot there was even another guy in camp. So let me actually look that up right now. So actually, yeah, there was three punts for J.K. Scott, three for Winslow. Um, The grades are always rated about 60. Um, J.J. Molson was actually the kicker the entire time. Uh, One extra point, which he made, and then the kickoffs, two attempts for both J.J. Molson. I didn't know. I was not paying attention, apparently. I did not notice that. And then of the six punts, again, split three and three. But J.K. Scott at a 60 overall grade. Ryan Winslow, 58. Doesn't really mean much either way. Uh, But you can see the difference. Actually, yards per attempt, Winslow had J.K. Scott beat slightly. But in net yards, J.K. Scott, 47. Ryan Winslow, or excuse me, J.K. Scott, 40. Ryan Winslow, 25. So a lot of those punts got returned quite a bit more. And 100% of Ryan Winslow's punts were returned. Two of three J.K. Scott punts were. So it seems as though, although Winslow was really smoking the air out of these things, um, J.K. maybe was doing a better job putting it where it needed to be. Because when cut down day came, they kind of looked at it and said, nah, J.K.'s our guy. Which, I mean, come on. Is, is there really a competition? Is there really? I don't think so. I know a lot of you guys don't like J.K. And I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I kind of wished he was much more elite than he is. But he is good. He's not bad. That's false. Is he some kind of super freak punter that's, you know, the worthy of being drafted and all these things and worthy of living up to his reputation that he had in college? No, but I like him and he's a good enough punter and it's fine. I don't think there was a competition here. There were a few other guys missing from camp. Uh, no official reports that I've seen yet as far as um, 
any of these other guys getting cut, but Chris Blair and DeAndre Hop, uh, nope, Tompkins, I think is what he meant to say, were also um, not seen at practice. So whether or not they were released, I don't know. A couple of uh, injury notes. We got some Packers injury updates. Dean Lowry, knee injury. Isaac Nauta, chest injury. DeAndre, DeAndre Tompkins, shoulder. So that's probably why he wasn't there. Chris Blair, ankle. Probably why he wasn't there. And Jordan Love, shoulder. Somebody made the comment that uh, Dean Lowry with the rehab group today. In five years, I don't know if Dean has ever missed a practice. The best ability is availability, if you're wondering why Dean Lowry is so popular among the uh, staff. Also, back at practice today, Zadarius Smith, Aaron Jones, Kenny Clark, Equinemia St. Brown, and Will Redmond. So the guys are getting healthy. That's a great sign. Hopefully they can stay that way because we got a couple more weeks left we got to grind through. Uh, I know Zadarius didn't do a ton of work. A lot of these guys were kind of half-speed type stuff. Um, Jordan Love also came out, and a lot of people were pretty excited about it, and I think I am too. Essentially, he was not supposed to practice. He decided he's going to come out with his helmet on and his jersey on and come jog out to camp and say, I'm ready to go. I'm feeling fine. And the coaching staff, seemingly, we don't have any of these guys mic'd up, but what it seemed to be is he came out and said, I want to play. And the coaches are like, no, dude, we told you that you're not playing today. You need to leave. And so he left. And then he eventually actually came back and watched the end of of practice. So uh, trying to show sort of that starter level toughness and tenacity and dedication to the team and to his teammates. And uh, it's, it's, it's leadership essentially is what it is, right? I mean, that's, that's what you expect from a guy in that position. It's sort of that Brett Farvian leadership. You can't keep me down. I want to play. Let me play. He's a pit bull. Now, obviously this is minor compared to some of the battering things that um, we've seen from Brett Favre and even Aaron Rodgers, you know, getting carted off and then coming back and winning in heroic fashion. I mean, the, these are big shoes to fill in that regard as far as Green Bay Packers quarterbacks and, and Jordan Love, at least insofar as this small gesture seems to have that kind of a thing of, you know, I know you told me that I don't get to play, but I'm going to come strut out here anyway and demand that I get to go out there and play with my teammates. And listen, if this is game day, 100% he's playing, but they're looking at him like, I can appreciate that and that's cool and all. This is freaking practice, dude. <laughs> and uh, we need you and I'm, I'm not going to let you get hurt for... Uh, 30 minutes of throwing a football in practice. So go away. Thank you very much. Which is the right call. Uh, There weren't a ton of other notes here, but uh, I'll rip through what we have. Some quarterback notes. Packers quarterback Jordan Love is at least wearing his jersey out here at practice. Again, he kind of came back out afterwards. It's not a GMO play, but Rodgers just threw a no-look pass to his left across the hashes to Begleton in red zone while play. Uh, Same play from a different perspective. Aaron Rodgers breaks every quarterback rule known to man, throws back across the middle of the field while rolling right because he sees Reggie Begleton wide open in the end zone and because he can. Rodgers connects with Begleton for the score and red zone drill. Not many quarterbacks can get away with that. So, By the way, to all the uh, Reggie Begleton truthers out there, he's been pretty solid. I don't know if there's a place for him on this team, but if he, he may be fighting just for a practice squad spot, he may have just got it. Maybe he already had it. I don't know. But I don't think he's really shown a ton But um, I mean, prior to this training camp. But he's been pretty solid. And, and as we talked about before, his connection specifically with Jordan Love is, is enough to kind of keep things alive. But now he's starting to get it with, with Rodgers, and that's a, it's a positive thing. Skipping down to the offensive line, first reps at guard are Braden and Newman. As I said, Newman kind of got the first crack at it. He was brought up to speed there. This is kind of an interesting note, too, kind of also what I was saying about it, but a little bit more in regard to not only did Newman do such a good job and deserve this role, but the guards in particular were so bad, and they're 
basically being punished. But here's the full tweet. It says, Packers weren't kidding about being displeased with their guards in the preseason opener. First practice back, rookie Royce Newman gets his first chance at right guard with the number one uh, offensive line, Ben Braden at left guard. In the game, it was Lucas Patrick and John Runyon. So remember, we had Lucas Patrick, John Runyon, and Ben Braden were our three offensive linemen, right, that were competing for the guard spot. Patrick and Runyon were the two starting offensive guards. They got the first crack at it. They failed miserably. The team was furious, and they said, Braden, you get to go out there with first team, and no, not you, Patrick, and no, not you, Runyon. Newman, that's who it is. Why don't you have a good day? You go out there. So again, Newman may get demoted again, because this may just be sort of a passive-aggressive slap at Patrick and Runyon. But it's still positive from Newman because who's the first person they go to when they demote Patrick and Runyon at least for a day? They went to Newman. So I I think it's both and. But they did eventually let Runyon and Patrick back into the circulation. But now it's kind of a four-man race, and we'll see how that goes. And I don't expect Newman, who is a a newer guy, to win that battle because you've got a lot of... I mean, if you're looking for veteran, you got Lucas Patrick. If you're looking for kind of veteran-y, but also talented. You got John Runyon and Brayden. I don't know what he is, but he seems to be liked by the Packers. One other observation that I wanted to look at, because I noticed this as I was picking, peeking through some uh, PFF things. There's this, I think this is new, but they've got this pressure thing for quarterbacks on here. And it kind of just shows, first of all, how many of the pressures were um, by the quarterback, the offensive line, and then specifically left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle, blah, blah, blah. First of all, worth noting, um, and this is true for most quarterbacks, but Jordan Love was not credited with any of his own pressures or sacks, zero of them. So that's always a positive. Sometimes you're holding on to the ball too long and all those kinds of things, and that kind of contributes to your issues. You are your own worst enemy kind of thing. Justin Fields, uh, 28.6% of his pressures were his own fault, which again is hilarious considering pressure didn't come until almost five seconds. So (laughs) yeah, I think at that point it's your fault. Sorry, I keep picking on the guy, but, you know, I was comparing the two is the only reason that I I know that. But breaking this down further, um, the offensive line accounted for 83.3%, the rest obviously going to other, which I believe in this case is almost exclusively running backs. But the biggest percentage, left tackle, 16%, center, 0%. That's very worth noting. 16% for right guard, 16% for right tackle, 33.3% for left guard. The left guard spot let one-third of these um, pressures get through. If you include the right guard spot, it's 50%. So you got your quarterback, your left tackle, or your tackles, your center, uh, wide receivers, and running backs. The guards accounted for 50% of all the pressures in that that last game. So a little bit of uh, numberage to go along with the um, what we heard from the coaches that they were not happy with the guards. Switching over to the defense now, Kenny Clark uh, still being held out of team period. So he's back, but again, they're easing him back into it. Jack Heflin is getting some first-team reps with Dean Lowry out today and obviously with Kenny Clark on um, some rest. Um, again, the whole Jack Heflin thing just kind of... He, he, the guy just came out of nowhere, and the Packers are like, yeah, this is our guy. We play him all the time. He's great. It's like, okay, okay cool, man. Welcome uh, welcome to the thing. Uh, the only edge note, again, Zadarius, same thing. He was uh, jumping in with the half speed team period so when they went half speed that's when they brought them out they didn't want them out there for full contact type stuff which I'm 100% fine with again with a lot of these guys I'm just becoming kind of a coward I just don't want injury I don't and I understand it could be all for naught if they go out week one and they end up tearing something or restraining something it doesn't make a difference but I don't know I just realized my google thing on my phone um 
because I can't hear it, is thinking that I'm talking to it, and it's I'm just seeing it record my own voice back to me. I'm not talking to you, crazy person. Jeez. Welcome to the thing. The only edge note, again, is Darius. I didn't say that. That's not what I said. Get out of my face phone. Just look over at my stupid phones over there going, uh-huh, yeah, what? What's your question now? You want me to look this up? You want me to Google it for you? Let me Google it. I'll Google it myself. Get out of here. Stop listening to me, you freaky stalker. What a creep. Like a needy child. What? Huh? Can I, can I jump on your head? What? Leave me alone. Freak. Uh, cornerback notes, and there were quite a few cornerback notes. One of the biggest ones that everybody wanted to talk about was that Kevin King did reclaim his spot, but is a little iffy. It's kind of back and forth. Like, Kevin King's back, and he took the spot back. It's like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But Eric Stokes came out with the first team in the second thing. It's like, oh, wow, that's crazy. So it's like a competition. There, It's not. It's like 50-50, right? And then there was a, a note about Kevin King. They kind of took it easy on him today. And it's like, oh, so it's, it's more of an injury thing. Okay, that's fine. So I, I don't know exactly. I'm guessing if Kevin King was 100%, he would get the vast majority of the number one snaps. But it's hard to tell at this point how they would divvy it up if Kevin King was healthy because shock of the century, he's not. Um, but then again, it was reiterated or it was iterated. I told you earlier, Kbionento K- did come off the sideline um, earlier than Josh Jackson came in. So he did get to leapfrog Josh Jackson. Some pretty promising notes from Eric Stokes uh, with those opportunities. In second team period, Eric Stokes gets reps across from Jair Alexander. He lined up over Devontae. Aaron Rodgers targets him. Same thing happened all camp, except this time Stokes jumps an out route and breaks up the pass. The rookie is getting better. However, Aaron Rodgers gets Eric Stokes a couple reps later. Stokes lined up on Alan Lazard, who cuts across the middle. Stokes tries to jump the route, but Rodgers throws it behind Lazard away from coverage. Mark that one down for the Wiley vet. So, I mean, it's it's real cool because, again, it's not fun that he's getting picked on and he's losing these battles or whatever, but he learned a little bit, right? It's sort of like he got you. So now Rodgers puts that in the back of his head. Rodgers is clearly a better football player. He's smarter. He's all these things. So he's looking at it. He's like, all right, you figured out that cool little trick. All right, let's try that again. So he kind of baits him into jumping another route. And what does he do? He doesn't throw it in front of him. He lobs it over his head. So as soon as Aaron Rodgers' arms come forward, he says, I'm going to jump it, except the trajectory of the ball is to go sail over his head. So being in front of him is not going to do any good. It launched over him so that instead of jumping the ball, now he's way out of position. Lazard catches it over his head. These are all still lessons from Aaron Rodgers, and it seems to be working, and Stokes seems to be getting better. Just be glad that it's happening now, right? Again, maybe he's not ready for the, for the the bright light. I don't know that Kevin King is either, but it's not really the point right now. Point is, as long as he's staying confident and he's starting to grow, and he's getting a couple. You know, winning against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae is not a minor thing. Being able to read and react and, and start to get comfortable to, to recognize things and be like, oh, I know this. And if he does this, I'm going to do this. And the second he sees that foot plant or the second he sees the shoulder twitch or, you know, that little thing to say that there it is, this is my time, this is my spot. And I know he's coming at me because he's always picking on me. I'm jumping in front of him and he did and he, he you know, knocked down the pass. I didn't hear if he was any closer to, I'm guessing because it's Rodgers and he knows where to put the ball, it was not super likely that he was going to pick it off, but. That's good, man. I mean, it's 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 progress. And, you know, Jair actually struggled with that in year two. So year one was kind of, you get a little bit of the flash, but it was kind of off and on. He was kind of iffy. You know, one day he was great, one day he wasn't. That typical inconsistent football player, Packer player type thing where you see the upside, but then you also see the, the disaster of it. Very similar to Rashawn Gary, actually. Year two, 
you really start to see the upside and he's starting to break up a ton of passes and things. But the biggest thing is he was very aggressive and sometimes that aggression bit him. Right? He would jump routes and sometimes he'd miss. And instead of being able to be in position to tackle him on that five-yard pass, now it turns into a, a 17-yard pass because he missed on that. Or sometimes he just bite. You know, it's a double move and he bites on that first move and that double move kills him and now he's wide open. And something happened in year three where he did not fall for any. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know if he just read things properly or wasn't bite. I don't know. But he just, something just clicked and he just figured it out and he just kind of understood things. He was just in flow state. You know what I mean? Flow state. I don't know what that is, but I've heard people say that and I feel like I'm using that properly. I don't know why I'm using it at all, but it feels right. It's because I'm in flow state right now. I'm so deep in it. It's crazy how deep I'm. It's 8.07 right now. I need to go to bed. Almost done with the notes. Uh, Josh Jackson taking third team reps, picks off Bankert. So um, I'll say this, he needed that. That's for sure. But it's also one of those things where it's like, you know, it's good, but it also stinks because you don't want it to be where first team he can't handle it, second team he can't handle it, third team is where it's like, all right, now he's in his his element. Well, that's great and all, but that's not useful. So, I mean, it's, it's if he's going to fight his way back, and, and I don't know how much faith the team has in him at all at this point, but if he's going to fight his way back, he better just be like I've said before, a man among boys when he's out there with Benkert and, and the rest of those wide receivers at that level to at least prove you should be second team. So it's a good thing, but it also, I just feel like it's a little late. But anyways, we got to take ourselves a little bit of a break. We'll come back, talk about some stuff. How does that sound? Sound good? Great. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. There are other ways to support the podcast. If you're not into that, just reach out. We'll talk about it. Man, we'll figure something out. If money's not your thing, we'll figure something else out. A lot of people like to help, and I appreciate that. And I try to find ways for people to help. Just let me know. Just just hang out. However, I do like the money stuff. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. I don't think I announced these yesterday, so thank you very much to Blaze Falgiano and Tommy for jumping in on Patreon. I really, really appreciate that. We gained two but lost one, so we're at 242 as far as patrons. So we are 58 patrons away from buying you Packers tickets or Packer ticket. It sounds better when you say Packers tickets, but just know that it's one. I'm not buying you two. (laughs) But again, if 50 people listening, roughly, just say, you know what, let's give that man a buck. That's it, I'm buying the ticket. But anyways, let's take a break and we'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Anyways, uh, now that the first preseason game is wrapped up, I do want to kind of go through this and take a look at things again. This is not me saying that this is the official ranking of how guys will be in the regular season. Let's not all panic. It's just an interesting little observation. Let's just calm down. People get so, I'm guessing Packer fans, not so much, but everybody gets so mad about stupid stuff. But for those that are interested, looking at the rookies for the quarterback position, here is how the interesting quarterbacks rank. By interesting, I mean, I don't care if you weren't drafted in the first round. Uh, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. I mean, he's not first round, but he's interesting. Then Justin Fields, skipping a couple guys, he was 6th. Trevor Lawrence was 8th. Trey Lance was dead last, 12th. So, you know, it's also important because if you listen to what training camp had to say, Zach Wilson's been garbage. Mac Jones is basically not even beating out Cam Newton, who's been terrible. Justin Fields has been unstoppable. Trevor Lawrence has been quite good. And Trey Lance has been the greatest thing that's ever happened to football in forever. By the way, Jordan Love would slot in here, I believe, fourth ahead of Kyle Trask. So it would be Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Sam Ellinger, and then Jordan Love, I believe. Another observation I had kind of looking through this stuff was uh, moving over to wide receiver, the allocation of slot reps. I was curious, based on kind of how slim we were in certain areas and how much they wanted to try different things, what exactly was Amari doing? Well, if we look at the wide receivers that played yesterday, Chris Blair, Devin Funches, Reggie Begleton, DeAndre Tompkins, and Malik Taylor, Chris Blair was in the slot zero times, Devin Funches 4.5% of the time, Reggie Begleton 9% of the time, DeAndre Tompkins 16.7% of the time, Malik Taylor 19% of the time, Amari Rogers 90%. So right out of the gate, they're treating Amari Rogers like Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb is like a 90% slot guy. I mean, it's just, it's really all he ever did. The other interesting thing that I noticed, and and this is out of, I mean, you got to understand, we've got, uh, let's see, how many wide receivers played? It is a massive number. Uh, We got to go to page two here. Doopy, doopy, doopy. 235 human beings played wide receiver Saturday. So lots and lots of people. Um, Out of that... 200 and however many, only only eight lined up in line. That is to say, played sort of the tight end position. So 230-some people, only eight did that. Two of those eight were Green Bay Packers, not surprisingly, because that's just such a Packers thing to do. Amari Rodgers and Reggie Begleton. So Amari Rodgers was 90% in the slot, 10% in line, 0% 
out wide. Zero. <laughs> and, I, and again, I do like what Brady's observation yesterday in terms of not really getting the opportunity to showcase what it is they want Amari to do. Uh, by simplifying the offense, especially, you're not getting a ton of the crazy motion type stuff that the Packers plan on running. And that's sort of when you expect to see Amari kind of come alive a little bit. And uh, we're not getting that. But again, did find that very interesting. 90% in the slot, 10% in line, zero snaps out wide. Looking at the running backs again, none of these guys super graded out well. But again, Dexter did have a pretty good day in terms of his limited uh, attempts. Four attempts, 32 yards, puts him at eight yards per attempt. That was ninth highest of all running backs um, from Saturday's, uh, whatever you call it, yards per carry after attempt. Dexter Williams ranked 27th with 3.5 yards after contact. Looking at their elusiveness rankings, that puts him 31st overall, which again is not super terrible when you consider there were... 136 running backs that uh, touched the ball yesterday. I keep saying yesterday, Saturday. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, looking at the pass rushers. Um, Not a ton of production. However, if you look at win percentage, which is one of the metrics that PFF recently added that they didn't used to have. So again, I like pressure percentage. But I think win percentage could technically even be a little bit better. Because again, it really just comes down to it's one-on-one. Do you beat the guy in front of you? How often do you do that? Now, it's going to be higher than pressure percentage because sometimes you win and you don't get to the quarterback. But looking at that, our highest um, win percentage was Carlo Kemp, who was 57th overall, 14.3% of the time he had a win. Didn't tra- Again, didn't translate to any sacks, hits, or hurries, but still something. Next would be Willington Pavilion at 11.1%. He did end up with, is that a sack? Nope, just a hurry. Um, And that's it for anybody that was over 10%. And again, these aren't even pressure percentages. These are win percentages. So the pressure really wasn't there, which should not come as a surprise to anybody. But again, these are not starting pass rushers for us. What it does highlight, though, is the complete lack of depth. So we like our top guys for the most part. um, But after the top three, we've got... I don't even know that we really have backups, if I'm being completely honest. Like, we don't have number twos. We've got number threes. We got like first string and third string. So that's not great. Uh, If we look at run defense in particular, um, wanted to look at our linebackers. I mentioned how well our linebackers did. We had three in the, let's say, top 40. Ray Wilborn was the 39th ranked linebacker in terms of run defense grade. Ty Summers ranked 17th and Oren Burks was fourth overall. Um, behind who was number one, Levante David, 95.9 overall grade. Big shocker. Why are they even playing that guy? Tampa's so obnoxious, it's ridiculous. But again, just seeing Oren Burks this high is crazy to me. I'm very happy for the guy, and I really hope it's not a fluke. And by the way, Ty Summers as well. It's just, it's so crazy. I already went over the the statistics. But they do have another one that I've actually never seen before. Average depth of tackle. So they've got the tackles. He had two tackles, two assists two stops, which again is fantastic. Stop percentage. So how many of his, or what percentage of his tackles ended up being stops? 14.3%. That's cool. Average depth of tackle. On average, how far down the field did they get before you tackle them? And this is a great statistic because again, there's a lot of guys like, dude, I had eight tackles in that game. Cool, man. What was the average depth of tackle? For Oren Burks, it was one yard. And for Ty Summers, it was 1.5 yards. That's awesome. You know, again, you, you got guys with a bunch of tackles. Like Luke Gifford for Dallas had six tackles in this game. Now, Dallas Cowboys fans can look at the box scores 
and this is again where just looking at stats can be so misleading. You look at the box scores and they'd be like, he got six tackles. So I'll come in there and be like, dude, he had a 28 overall run defense grade. Who cares? And they're like, you're an idiot. How does a guy get six tackles but get a 28.5 run defense grade? PFF is trash. Well, maybe it's because he had a 7.8 yard average depth of tackle. He was eight yards. It's basically a field, uh, a first down every single time you tackled the guy. By the way, there were three guys that did give up a first down worth. Dre Greenlaw at 10 yards, Cam Smith at 11 yards, Duke Riley, three tackles, averaged 18.7 yards per tackle. He must have chased somebody 80 yards down the field or something. Switching over to coverage, um, among all cornerbacks, KB on Ento was 14th overall. And again, that's all of them. I'm not going to look at how many. It's over 100, somewhere between 100 and 200. Um, some credit to Josh Jackson here. Forced incompletions. Josh Jackson actually tied for third with two forced incompletions. His forced incompletion percentage was 20%. So again, he had some bad plays. He's, he's again, what I've said a bunch of times with Josh Jackson, he has a lot of really good plays, but the good plays are not the concern. It's the amount of bad plays. So yeah, a ton of great plays, pass breakups. He's real physical. He's going to get in your face. But uh, it's, it's all the other stuff that was kind of the problem. Kind of another cool thing, we all know that Ento did have a pick in that game. There were only nine players that had interceptions the entire game, and and, uh, Ento was one of them, so congrats to him. Some other more advanced stats, uh, KB on Ento snaps per target. So how many times did they snap the ball before you even look in my direction? He ranked 13th in that category, 13.5 snaps per target. Looking at scheme, which is extremely interesting when we want to look at the Joe Barry uh, defense, Obviously very man-heavy. The question is, how man-heavy? Well, the Packers are all right at the top. The 34th most was Eric Stokes. Then tied with that was Chandon Sullivan at 34th. Shamar was 43rd. KB Anento, 52nd. So you've got some teams that were doing it a little more heavy. Philadelphia, Arizona, Las Vegas, the Rams, Washington. But still, um, Eric Stokes, 16% of the time he was in man, 66.7 in zone. The guy who played the most man was Kadar Holman, 136th overall, 37.5% of the time he was in man. So again, and it's not as different as I thought it was going to be, um, because as we learned, Pettin actually played a ton of zone, a lot more zone than man, despite his moniker as being a press man guy. But again, it's it's a very zone-heavy scheme. As far as how they graded out, and this is, this is I'm not going to lie, this is kind of interesting. Take a wild guess who actually graded out really, really well in man defense, but horribly in zone defense. It's a guy that's a little bit uh, physical. Maybe we've talked about him once in a while. Josh Jackson actually had the 30, 30th highest graded man coverage grade in all of uh, the NFL in the first preseason week. 73 overall grade. But when a man corner is playing zone all the time, and we all we all kind of thought it was the opposite, right? Well, maybe he's more of a zone guy, but Pettin's always playing man, and so he needs to be in more of a zone scheme. And so we thought when Joe Barry came in, that's when he would explode. He's been playing zone the whole time. Maybe he's more of a man guy. I don't know. Hey, Cricket's back. I thought he was dead. What up, dude? But three targets, one reception for 15 yards, negative one yard after the catch, and one forced incompletion while in man coverage. In zone, not surprisingly, the highest graded was Ento, but it was actually pretty staggering um, what his grade was. He was the fourth highest graded zone cover guy, 18 snaps in, as a zone cover man, 86.4 overall grade, two targets, zero uh, receptions. 
see if there's anything. Well, I'm assuming the pick was in that. These charts they have are, are getting so massive, you got to do a lot of scrolling. And yes, one interception. Looking at slot coverage, Shamar Jean Charles was our guy. Um, 18 snaps in the slot. He's the only guy listed here, so he got 100% of those opportunities. Uh, unfortunately, five targets, three receptions for 32 yards. A couple other little uh, statistical things that they got here. Adjusted completion percentage, Jordan Love ranked 11th overall out of uh, out of 50 quarterbacks. The rankings were Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tyrod Taylor, David Blow, uh, Easton Stick, C.J. Beathard, Davis Webb, Mason Rudolph, Teddy Bridgewater, and then Jordan Love. And by the way, um, the first six basically, I shouldn't say they shouldn't count, but they were guys like Tom Brady, three dropbacks, two attempts, one completion, but one of them was a drop, so it's adjusted to 100. But it's two attempts. Come on now. If we sort some of those guys out, uh, Jordan Love is fifth out of 50. So it's still 50. I'm, what, I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Nope, I'm stupid. He's fifth out of 62. Um, elusiveness rating, our most elusive running back was Kylan Hill. And then finally, they got run stop percentage, which I, I mentioned was already a thing, but they've got just a, a whole one for that. Something else that I find interesting here, if you look at defensive linemen out of the 100 or so guys that are, uh, well, listed here, the 20th ranked, Mr. TJ Slayton, 14.3% of his snaps were run stops. 21 snaps, he played run defense, four tackles, one assist, three stops. And by the way, not that any of these guys necessarily don't count, but um, TJ Slayton had more snaps than anybody that's ahead of him. So it's the largest sample size of anybody. Uh, solid day from TJ. But anyways, it is uh, well past the old bedtime. I'm going to leave it there. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. If you do have any questions or things that you want me to look up or whatever, hit me up with it. If I kind of glossed over something you wanted a little bit more insights into, let me know and I can look it up. Otherwise, have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.